0: And here we are again, Murphy Houston. It's Mile High Magazine, and I promise we talked to Dr. John Douglas, who's in charge of Tri-County Health, formerly with the CDC, who's kind of like working with the governor on his right-hand side there to develop what's happening in our state. So let's get to Dr. John Douglas. John, how you holding up? Uh, Murphy, we're doing fine. We're doing fine. Uh,
1: uh, busy times, but I've got a great team, and uh, we're hanging in there.
0: Well, I, you know, I see the governor on a couple of times a week now. He's really into it. It seems like he's trying to loosen things up here in Colorado. What do you think?
1: Yeah, we're, we're, uh, you know, in the first week of his new, uh, uh, framework, safer at home. That's, a, a, a more open, uh, environment than the original stay at home. Um, and the idea here is let's begin to gradually, gradually, cautiously, but optimistically begin to get things open back up get our uh, businesses regoing again, but doing so in a way that's careful, uh, safe for both patrons of businesses as well as the workers in businesses, and uh, uh, do so in a way that allows us to thoughtfully have to change course if, if events arise that make us think that uh, uh, the epidemic is getting out of control again. So I, I'm very much in support of that sort of cautious approach dealing with, how we get our economy going while we keep our uh, residents safe.
0: Well, and it's very difficult because we here in the metro area mm-hmm. are surrounded and you're involved with that, uh, Dr. Douglas. Uh, some counties are opening, some counties cannot. And it's, so the governor says what he's got to say, but it's still up to the individual counties, is it not?
1: Yeah, it's really an important point, uh, Murph. And he, he, he has said that. He said, look, uh, things are different in different places. And, uh, it, it was important to do a statewide, slow everything down, get our hospitals ready. But now that we're getting a little beyond that, let's sort of let local context uh, determine which course to follow. So, for example, of the counties of the counties that I have authority over, uh, Adams, Arapahoe, and Douglas, uh, we felt that the degree of transmission and the amount of infection in Adams and Arapahoe was high enough that we ought to give ourselves another 10 days of breathing room. So we had a extension of the stay at home order until Friday, May 8th. Douglas, on the other hand, things were looking, uh, less intense and we felt that they're being able to move ahead makes sense. Now some counties around the state have got things so much under control, better than even Douglas County, that they've uh, put together plans that have been accepted, uh, Eagle and Mesa counties, for example, where they can go back to an even fuller, uh, activity. Again, carefully monitoring what's happening. The idea that they'll have to go back if if things turn south. But um, so I think that individual context is the environment we're in right now. And you know, I think it's a it's a good approach.
0: Well, and we still need to abide by the rules that the governor set up, and you have endorsed the mask, the distancing, the hand washing. That's still in effect, correct?
1: Oh, absolutely. And and, and let me say that um, you know the mask, the distancing, the hand washing. This has all been good advice, and as the governor said over and over again, ultimately it kind of gets down to all of us playing our part and doing these things voluntarily. Um, we 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 don't have uh, drones flying around looking at the whether you wash your hands appropriately. We just trust that you're smart enough to do that. Um, there has been some discussion in some uh, uh, jurisdictions about whether or not because we it takes us. <clears throat> A while to get used to doing things like masking. Right. Whether or not we ought to have some more uh, explicit requirement for masking, either by a city ordinance or even by a public health order. Um, and the idea there is that masking mostly protects the people I'm coming into contact with if I'm sick. It doesn't protect me as much. And and we do have a lot of concern about our workers as businesses get back to normal. We had a Sad situation at Walmart and Aurora. Uh this past week we we're in an outbreak and actually a couple of uh, staff there died, got sick and died. And we want to do whatever we can to keep those essential workers as we go back and get our economy going safe. And so this this should we have uh, if you will, uh, mandates for face coverings uh is a conversation that's happening right now. Um and if we did it, you know, it would be not to say Let's send drones, let's give tickets, but let's, let's, let's convey the seriousness of this to protect others. And, and that sort of is an idea that's being discussed.
0: Well, and it seems like now we talk about hot spots every time we talk, uh, John. Uh, the meatpacking situation and the one that was at JBS up in Greeley, they've got a whole situation. But yet, you know, at the federal government side, they're urging, I guess the president is, to open up these meatpacking plants because they're worried about somewhat of a food shortage.
1: Yeah, so that's a, that's a complicated situation and you're right that the, the president did say that and he invoked federal, uh, legislative authority to allow him to for those plants to stay open. And, and I, you know, I was pleased the governor said, wait a minute, time out, hold on. If we're going to do that, number one, we got to be sure these workers have got sufficient personal protective equipment. It's close quarters working in a meat packing plant. There's no pretty way to, to do that. And then secondly, the feds are going to need to help us get adequate testing so that we know that the guy next to me on the line, not only is wearing equipment, but oh, by the way, whoops, he's positive today. We've got to get him off the line and maybe we uh, put me in isolation or test me as well. And frankly, testing has been improving, but still in perfect situation. And so, uh, when we get into those kind of vital settings where we know outbreaks can happen, having really robust testing is going to be critical.
0: For sure. And it seems like, uh, based on, again, what I've heard the governor say, that we are starting to test more in Colorado. And is that still the real key, the testing situation as far as getting more back to our normal lives?
1: I think testing is really important because, you know, in in a lot of ways, what the stay at home has been is that we all stay in quarantine. We all have to kind of hunker down because we don't know whether we have it or not. And we do know that the, the proportion of those who get COVID who actually never get sick and never know it is higher than we had appreciated—maybe 25, 30, even 40 percent. So, if we can do more testing, as opposed to everybody having to quarantine, we can say, "Oh, we know that John has it and Murph doesn't. John needs to stay home. He's not feeling very sick. Let's hope he gets better quickly, but let's have him not expose anybody else." And then we can also say, "Whoops." John actually had, you know, ran into Murph and didn't socially distance. And Murph, you really ought to be not in isolation because hopefully you're not infected, but you need to be in quarantine. And if you get the slightest sniffle, Murph, we want to test you so we know whether you might have it. So we can be much more intelligent and targeted about who has to hunker down if we've got better testing.
0: Well, are we getting better testing? I mean, that one I heard about Abbott Labs. I'm sure there's others where they just, you know, kind of stick your finger, take a blood sample, and you know within 15 minutes whether you have it or not.
1: Yeah, so the Abbott test is a really interesting example, and it's an example of a what looks like a pretty accurate test that can be done rapidly, which has got a lot of advantages to it. Unfortunately, like uh, some of the other testing that's come online, um, uh, it, it once people begin to get interested in it, whoops, there was not enough <laughs> supply to go around. And... uh so that's, that's I think, one of the ideas that I think has a lot of promise, rapid, accurate testing, but it involves the supply chain issue that uh, has, has bedeviled uh, uh, testing in general.
0: Well, that's crazy. Now, I've heard recently, and maybe you can uh, talk about this, uh, Dr. Douglas, by the way, we're talking to our friend, Dr. John Douglas, who runs Tri-County Health, formerly with the CDC. What's going on with this Oxford test? Uh, and they're developing a vaccine that might come out in September, I'm hearing.
1: So, you know, I don't know that much about it except what I read in the media. <clears throat> I will say it's very cool. Uh, this is a team that had been all prepared to develop a vaccine against another coronavirus, and it sort of figured out what it would look like to uh, design the vaccine, set it up, and prove that it could be uh, done safely. And then that epidemic, it was something called the Mediterranean uh, Respiratory Syndrome, MERS, went away, and it's sort of like, oh, we've done all this work, and, and now we don't have a disease. But it turns out that that particular vaccine prototype uh, could be used for COVID. And so they've got uh, what looks like very promising information that allows them to say, we, we know it's safe. We've done early studies, and, and we know it produces antibodies. And we, we've, we've now got a, a leg up, if you will, and can move into larger scale clinical trials i read as early as september with thousands of people which is frankly faster than many of us thought could happen now let me throw a note of caution into that very optimistic news report is that none of us know whether or not a very cool vaccine that looks great in initial trials is really going to pan out that's why you got to do the larger trials but i think it was uh one of the big uh you know potentially optimistic headlines of the last week the other one was the headline about a drug that's being tested in hospitalized patients something called remdesivir we knew it had activity in the laboratory against coronaviruses um there was a chinese trial that it didn't look so promising but now we've got this bigger national institutes of health trial that has not been published and not been peer reviewed big caveats But the data and safety monitoring board said, you know what, this looks good enough that we need to announce the results, stop the trial, let people who are getting a placebo get the real thing. Doesn't prove it, and it's not a a home run, as Dr. Fauci would put it. You know, uh, we talk about Dr. Fauci every now and then. But it clearly proves that a drug that works in the laboratory can work in the human body and I think begins to open up uh, promising pathways for future treatment.
0: Well, that's good news. And these are basically vaccines. They're not cures. And there is a difference, correct?
1: Yeah, we think of vaccines generally as being you, you take it to boost your immune system and prevent you from getting it. That's what a flu vaccine is especially about every year. Right. Um, and then we think of treatment or ideally cures as being if you've got it. Now we can treat you and either get you over it really quick or prevent you from getting complications, so they're uh related, but they work at different parts of the disease cycle if you will
0: well, that's okay though it's a somewhat optimistic approach I, it makes you feel a little better doesn't it it absolutely
1: yeah absolutely does and and again, even small incremental benefits can uh given the fact that we've got millions of people infected uh be potentially very important
0: right, exactly. Okay, uh, Dr. Douglas, I have a question for you from my grandson, Hudson. Now, he's a big-time ball player, loves Little League, pretty good player on a good team. He wants to know, do you think sports like Little League or maybe soccer for kids is coming back anytime this summer?
1: <laughs> Boy, Hudson, I wish I had a clear answer for you because I get asked that every day by my grandkids as well, by the way. Um, you know, uh Murph and Hudson, I'd say right now it's a little too early to tell. One of the, the mantras is we can bring back things sooner that allow us to do social distancing and people not coming into contact with each other. Um, you know, I don't know whether we can invent a variant of baseball where you, <laughs> you can stay six feet apart. I mean, you can imagine tennis or ping pong, and we certainly have had a lot of discussion about golf as being – Sports where you don't have to be close to each other. I think baseball, basketball, football, hockey, soccer are probably a little more challenging right now. Um, so uh, I, I haven't, we haven't given up on trying to figure out a pathway for those things to happen, uh, but I think it's uh, a little unclear at this point as to timing.
0: Well, I'm sure it is. I just had to ask you that because he's been bugging me for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, like, he like sleeps with his baseball glove. I mean, that's how serious it is for him. Well,
1: uh, Keep it broken in.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Uh, one more question here. As we begin to ease ourselves out into public again and start doing things, is the state of Colorado prepared if there's a, a fallback and all of a sudden it starts flaring up again, the coronavirus? Are we prepared for that?
1: Yeah, you know, I think our hospitals, which we were really just uh, paranoid not being able to make it if we had a big surge, I think they're in much better shape right now, first. Secondly, the degree of the epidemic has simmered down it's not gone away emphasize 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 it's not gone away but we think we're at a better place to be able to control it and prevent hospital surges because the last thing we want to see happen is that five of us have COVID and need a ventilator and there's only four or three to go around
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: or that we have three people who need a ventilator and we have two people in car crashes who need one and now we have to make tough choices so we, we we think we're in a much better shape from that perspective, but it's not like, uh, you know, we're home free, we're going to really have to keep our eye on what's happening with the epidemic and hospital supplies, elective procedures, quote-unquote elective, because some of them aren't like, you know, just totally optional. Some of them are like, I've got to get this cancerous tumor removed from my body, and those have been delayed. Yeah. As those procedures begin to kick in, which is long overdue, and we're really delighted that's beginning to happen. Those those procedures will use some of the same personal protective equipment and even, frankly, some of the same hospital capacity that COVID would. And we just want to be sure we maintain that margin of security.
0: Okay, Dr. John Douglas, always great having you on, my friend. I will talk to you next week. Appreciate the update and you're on top of your game. Keep up the good work and you stay healthy yourself, will you? Yeah, Murph, uh, uh, don't get out and play the Little League right away. (laughs) No, no. I might sneak a little golf in, but not the Little League. We'll (laughs) wait on that one for sure. Thanks, John. Appreciate you joining us today on Mile High Magazine. And you, too. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll talk to you next week.